This is Raga Matrix America. Welcome to the show, everyone. This is Alex Goff from RugbyMag.com. We have Bruce McLean and Pat Clifton on the show with us, just the three of us talking a little bit about the stuff that's going on, some sevens, some college, and some Super League. Uh, we will be having the new collegiate director, co-collegiate director, Rich Cortez, on soon. We'd really want to talk to him about what his vision is for the college game, but we don't have him uh, just yet. I know they're doing a Q&A with USA Rugby. They're probably going to do that first. Anyway, from there, we do have a bunch of stuff that we do want to talk about. And, and guys, uh, Pat Clifton in Kansas City, we had a big weekend uh, right behind us. We've got a couple of them coming up. Yeah, it's uh, it's that time of the year again, right? It's really exciting. Uh, D1A uh, quarters this last weekend. Um, we've got all the Final Fours getting ready to pop off and uh, some Super League playoffs too. Yeah, and, and Bruce McLean out of New York. Um, how's that team of yours doing? My team's fine. We had a bye weekend this week. I was doing a lot of communion stuff and going to, shall I say it, a lot of lacrosse games. My nieces and nephews oh and my kids, but um, yeah, no. Actually, you're allowed to go to the lacrosse games if you live in the Northeast or in the Mid-Atlantic states. If you live anywhere else, then you're on the new lacrosse bandwagon, and we can complain about that. But you're allowed to go to lacrosse games if you live in New York. So, no, that's my rule anyway. That's my thing. Um, <laughs> but we do have some rugby going on. And I wanted to talk about um, some of the, the the big playoff games that we had going on. But I, I guess first we should probably talk about the USA Sevens team. And the USA Sevens team went into Glasgow this past weekend. They ended up losing in the Shield final. The Shield is the fourth tier of uh, of trophies, so they didn't really do all that that well. Um, it's one of those odd things that happens, and I've seen it happen with the the USA Sevens team before under Al Caravelli is that they play really tight against a good team. They, they had a shot to beat England. They didn't, they, they had a shot, maybe to push Australia. They, they ended up losing by, uh, um, eight. And then they beat Kenya and they actually looked pretty good beating Kenya. And that was all day one. So day one was, they looked all right they kind of left it out on day one because day two, they lose to Russia. Uh, they just barely beat Portugal on the last play of the game. And then they lose to Kenya in the shield final. They end up with uh, two points, which is uh, one more than the minimum and uh, drop down a spot in, in the rankings. Uh, not in the end, not really a great, uh, series of results. So, guys, you saw a little bit of it. You talked to some people. Um, what are you hearing? Well, I don't know what I'm hearing, but I know what I'm seeing, and that's some missed tackles. Um, I've actually got the game while I'm watching, while we're talking here, and I just saw the Russian player run through Antalo and New Punamata. Uh, both of them had should have tackled the guy and probably stole his ball, and he got through. And I know that's something Alex Magleby talked about. Um, in his uh, post-tournament interviews. So, you know, that's obviously a huge part of the game is making a tackle. One man, one tackle. You can't make a tackle. You can't win a sevens game. Uh, so that's... It's, it's You say missed tackles. And, you know, what was really bugging me is that you saw smallish guys. I mean, you saw Duratalo try to do this too, but at least he has a, an excuse when he grabs someone around the waist and flops down on the ground trying to drag someone down with his weight. At least Duratalo's a big guy. When someone like uh, Rocco Maurer tries to do it, the, guy, the you know the, the ball carrier is going to just stand on his feet. And and Bruce, as a, as a coach, you you know this more than than either of us really. That that if you give a guy who's gone into a tackle two seconds on his feet, now he's offloading. Now he's, st yeah, he's still I mean, playing. I actually have this discussion all the time about the the high tackle versus the low tackle. Um, I actually personally am a fan of the low tackle just because you can knock a guy backward, but it, it, it does take a bit of practice and a, and a bit of technique to it. <clears throat> and I do like to double up, but seven's a different little different game. But put it, put, put him on the ground, right? No, no, no. Put I him, definitely think. Him, yeah. Like, got to put him on the ground. What you got to do is you, you, you know, yeah. And, and I do believe that, you know, that you need to put a guy down like you shot him. 
you know, as as it, when you hit him, he should it should be as if he's gotten shot, and he goes straight down. But yep. that that doesn't always happen, and it's 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 you know you're looking at very capable international players, and you're looking at a team that is in America a little bit young and 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 possibly a little bit inexperienced. I would say that the results still haven't really been a whole lot different than they had been in the uh, in the past, and I and I think that where we're really going to have to make that final judgment is going to be in the beginning of of next season's sevens tournaments and things, and and has there been any kind of a change or any kind of improvement in what. Well, I- I think there has been a change. I, you know, you looked at we, – we looked at some of the stats um, at the end of Val Caravelli's tenure, and you saw that we were the team with the most passes on the uh, on the circuit, uh, really a passive offense, trying to move the ball side to side, kind of the traditional seven strategy, move it side to side, and eventually a hole open up in the middle by stretching that defense out and, and really not attacking in the middle of the field at all. Well, Alex Bagleby comes in, and one of the biggest emphases, you know, changes he wants to make is being able to attack and – all over the field and being afraid to set a ruck in the middle of the field. Well, I think you've seen that the Eagles have changed their attack. I mean, their offense is not stagnant. It was just terribly stagnant at the end of Caravelli's time. Now they're actually scoring tries, and they're scoring them in the middle of the field and all over the place, and different guys are scoring tries. So I think that the attack is much better than it was um, uh, at the end of Caravelli's time, and I think that maybe that is uh, because they're emphasizing it more in training. Now, that's just a guess. But um, I think that that may be part of the reason why you're seeing the offense do better and the defense lacking a little bit. They seem to be spending more time on attack. Well, Pat, Pat, I'd, I'd go along with that partly because I, you know, they, they were scoring at least two tries every game, and that's something that they they weren't doing before. Uh, going, looking ahead to London, they've got England, Samoa, and France in their pool. Doesn't get any easier. Bruce, I, I think you're right. It is a young team, and people got to remember that. Um, the kind of turnover that uh, this team has had is is something that a lot of the top teams uh, don't have to deal with, and we don't have the depth. We don't we don't have a, a team where Zach Tess goes down injured, doesn't play all of Sunday, that we can immediately slot someone in, and you've got someone of of equal or almost equal value. It's it's just not that case at the moment, um, and I think that a big part of Alex Magleby's plan. And the plan he's going to submit as hoping to, to be retained as head coach is going to be a, a plan to develop international depth. Um, it, it, they also uh, don't have as much time to to turn it around as 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 you might think, because we've got uh, coming up in I believe it's August. We have the uh, NACRA tournament, which will be the World Cup qualifiers. So they're going to need to come up I will- and, and 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 perform there. I do want to say one thing that the big theme of this tournament seems to be the tackling needs to get better. Well, you left your best tackler at home in Miles Craigwell. I'm not saying you necessarily should have selected the guy, but he is without a doubt the best tackler on that team. He doesn't miss tackles very often, and he will knock people backwards. And uh, he's a guy that I would like to see become a prop on this team. I bounced it off of a couple sevens guys, um, and, and some of them don't think he has the experience to even do that. But I think that the USA needs ball winners, guys who can make tackles and steal the ball and put people on their backs. And Miles can definitely do that. And I think that if he's going to get back into regular rotation, at least as long as Magleby is around, uh, it probably needs to be as a prop. And I, I think that's where he can make his impact. Yeah. So I, I, like I, the, I, I don't think Miles is, uh, is out of favor. I think he's, he's a guy who hasn't played a lot of rugby and what he's been doing at old Puget sound is he's been playing 80 minutes of rugby in the super league and he's been playing extremely well and, and all the contact and all the passing and all the decision-making, uh, even though it's not sevens, I think is going to be, is good for him. And yeah, I, I, I can I expect him to be back. Yeah, I think he will be too, but we've seen him most at wing and sevens. And I just don't think he's got the speed to be your burner on the end. But I do think he has the physicality to match guys that are much, much larger than him. I think he's a harder, much harder tackler than Andrew Duratalo, even though Duratalo's probably got 60 pounds on him. Um, but I, I, think he's a, I think he's a very good tackler and a very good guy like that. I, I also think when you get into the game, um, I mean, when he first started playing, he would just crush people. He would... He, really would just rave about the big hits he would make. But as he's learning to play the game, he's spending less time probably 
trying to inflict pain on his opponents and use his biggest strength and more trying to whip out positioning and that sort of thing. So it'll come with time as the game slows down with him. I'd like to see some of that raw power that we saw from him when he was playing for the AC when he first started playing. Well, I I think that I think as I said I I fully expect him to qualify for the World Cup. Wouldn't be overly worried about that. I I think that again it. I'll reiterate that I think it's a next year. Next year is the is the year you look at because. Right now, there's there's been some a little bit of change, a little bit of flux, and all that kind of stuff. But all in all, you know, regardless of semantics of it, the results haven't been significantly different. Um, you know, whether or not they're emphasizing attack or scoring a couple more tries or whatever it is, that it the um the fact is the results haven't been a whole lot different than they had been, and and I think that you give it next year and you see how it goes there. Now maybe something will happen next week. You know, and that, that'll be fantastic because they are getting little wins. They are turning those two or three point losses into two or three point wins. But that that's still they haven't you got to beat somebody good. And, and, and then you got to in the self forward. And that hasn't happened yet. If you look at it in the might, you know, just in a small vacuum of, say, the lat this this season, the results are considerably different because they're winning multiple games in a tournament, whereas they went on that one and nine stretch. So I'd say in the, if you just look at it in the short term, I would say that uh, he is winning more games than, than Caravelli yeah. was. At the end. Yeah, I'm, no, but what I'm saying is, I, I, all right, Portugal got beat by two points, and what did they win? Kenya, Kenya the first day? Beat Kenya, um, yeah. Yeah, they beat Kenya, and then they lost to them when it counted. Um, you know, it's just and, – and they beat Portugal. But, you know, I mean – is that is that a whole lot different than losing to Portugal by two points in another? It 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 really isn't. Um, let's at the end of the day, we are the United States. There we are expected to do something in sevens. We are expected to be a player in the Olympic competition. It's a twelve team competition, so it's that that part is going to be difficult for us as well. So I, I think that next year is a year that you look at, and this year I you know I. Maybe there are things that are a little bit better or a little bit yeah. – there hasn't been a whole lot of change, really. There is, I mean, I'm just being objective about it. There hasn't – It maybe it is. Maybe there's a massive change that I haven't seen, but it, it maybe I'm, I'm, I just haven't seen it, and everybody else has. Well, we, we know we're going to need bigger improvement and bigger change for the team to make a splash either at a World Cup – or qualifying for the Olympics, which, as you said, is very difficult. We're going to be right back. We're going to take a short break. We're going to come and talk about college rugby. Uh, we'll be right back on Rugby Matrix America. Hey, fans, go to RugbyImports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to RugbyImports.com. Hey, this is Ben Knight with the University of Wisconsin men's rugby team. Come see us play some sevens at the USA Sevens Collegiate Rugby Championships in Philadelphia on June 2nd and 3rd. To purchase tickets, go to USA7CRC.com. Go Badgers. We are back on Rugby Matrix America. This is Alex Goff with Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, and we had a weekend of Division 1A playoffs, quarterfinals, that... Well, it was, it was pretty remarkable in a number of ways. Uh, quick rundown of the scores we had on the West Coast, St. Mary's beating Utah in the game that I think we, we all said was probably the biggest pick'em game. 24-15, St. Mary's beat Utah. Then we had the, the game that we all picked BYU to win, BYU against UCLA, 103-24. to uh, and I've seen a lot of games where a team scores over 100 points, and very rarely do you then see them give up four tries as well. So um, I guess on that side, good for UCLA for getting four tries in and not giving up. Uh, Life University against Penn State, uh, more of a surprise in this kind of blowout. 75-3, to Life University won, um, was not close really after about 20 minutes. And then... In West Point, Arkansas State goes into West Point and wins 36-20 against Army. Um, 
Pat, I think you picked Arkansas State on that one. It's a bit of a surprise, but Army has lost uh, two quarterfinals at home two years running, one to Utah, one to Arkansas State, two very different sides. And, and I guess my, my, I'm looking at that and thinking, what do I say about that? What do I say about it is uh, does that mean that the East, while being a very competitive league, is just not as rigorous as 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 the as the South, at least in the South, Arkansas State gets to play life twice, whereas there's just no team that's of that level in the East. It kind of looks that way. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I kind of think of the East as like the Big Ten, uh, like Big Ten football. You, it's a you know it's a cool league. There are good teams in that league, but I just think that they don't quite have the level of athlete that Arkansas State and Life have, or. BYU has or Cal has or some of the upper echelon teams elsewhere. I just don't think I mean, they've got some hard-nosed kids, but I just don't think they have the depth of the level of athletes that those other guys have. So I, I kind of think of, you know, those other teams as being a part of the SEC and the the, the East being kind of like the Big Ten. And, and it's a very forward-laden – if you look at all those teams, I mean, there are some good backs out there. But, I mean, Kutztown's a very forward-driven team. Penn State has a very big pack. You know, Army likes to play a straightforward game. Um, so I, I think that, especially in the back line elsewhere in the country, I think that there are just there's just more talent and speed and uh, elusiveness and, and depth of talent. One of the, one of the things about this, and it's it's something I don't really talk about. And I think a lot of people don't talk about when we discuss rugby around the country. And people talk about trying to organize seeds. Should the Northeast get as many seeds to the Mid-Atlantic or, you know, whatever it's seeds or or how should we organize things for different all-star teams uh, all through the years? There's a little feeling that they have in uh, the West Coast, specifically California, Colorado, Utah, that group there is that what they're thinking when they're talking about all of this is, yeah, but we're better. That they, they don't want us to come out and say it usually. They're trying to be polite. But generally, what they're saying is, we're better. We have more champions. We produce more eagles. We have, uh, you know, we, we, uh, I mean, Rugby Mag can talk about high school rugby in on the East Coast uh, to a blue in the face. And with some notable exceptions in New York State, in, in New York City, excuse me, and Washington, D.C., it's all about the West. They're better. And and I and I wonder if that's being illustrated out here. We love the rugby East, but they just didn't have it. I, I, that's definitely partially it. Um, you know, I would say that the South fucks that a little bit because they're you know both Life and Arkansas State. You would are you know I guess Arkansas State's just barely west of the Mississippi, but but Life certainly on the East Coast. Um, but those guys have some advantages that other schools don't have, and. Uh, some very good coaches and are very good programs. But, yeah, I think that's part of it. Obviously, the more high school talent you have, the better your colleges are going to be. And that's why you see so many D1A teams in a closer cluster on the West that, because of the depth of talent coming from the high schools. So I think that's bearing out for sure. Um, and, and in Utah, too. I mean, Utah is going to have – I mean, you look at the national finals that we're all going to be at, uh, May 18th and 19th down in, in Salt Lake City, you're going to have Utah Valley playing for Division Two. Uh, BYU playing for the D1A championship and what three or four high schools in the in the high school championship. Um, I think the, the what's going on in the playoffs is very reflective of of how good the high schools are and and where those kids are going to college. Is this like trying to get my goat? Yeah, actually, completely a, a transparent attempt to get your goat. It, the bottom line is that the East Coast, the Eastern Conference is good, and those teams play well, and 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 Arkansas State, who had life, beat Army 36-20. At Army, no doubt about it, and they were a better team. But you, I don't sit and look and say, this area produces better guys. I mean, Brian Vizard's from, he's from uh, Michigan, and he played for Ombak. I mean... Gary Lambert is from White Plains. He played for he played for life, and like so, I don't sit and look and say like it's some geographic place that teams are in or that, that that that's the way it that's the way it goes. I mean, it, 
a lot of people are from different countries and things like that. I, I, I don't look at it that way. I, you know, the fact is they're good teams. Life in Arkansas State are very good teams, and they are very deserving of being semifinalists. A lot of Arkansas State's um, domestic kids come from Texas and Illinois and some from the state of Arkansas. Most of uh, Cal's kids come from California. Most of life's domestic kids come from the South. A lot of uh, up in North Carolina, in the Carolinas. I'm not, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that people come from now. And then when you look at the Penn State life game, Penn State, A, they lost to Army. Kind of took a lot of wind out of their sails. They lost to Army at home. Then they had to travel down and play life. They do not match. It, if there was a matchup that was a match made in heaven for life, it was the Penn State matchup. They don't match up well with Penn State does not match up well with life. Penn, Penn State has big, heavy forwards, and they're playing in 85-degree heat. They probably melted right away. And looking at that Colton Carriaga try, it looked like there were people in quicksand, and there was and there was a guy on a on a track in running in in like running cleats. It was it it looked like two different teams out there. You know, let, let me let me clarify. No, I, I, I hold on. Uh, first of James all, James Kelly's one of the best players on Cal. Yeah, he's yeah. from New York. Yeah. Okay. Let me clarify. First of all, Bruce, I think you answered that question extremely well. But let me clarify the. The, the players, the talent, the young talent comes from everywhere. But what where they end Tony up... Tony from Bronxville. Yeah, right. But where they end up, it seems to be, and, and, and it seems to be that they don't end up in the East as much as they end up in California. Uh, and I, and I'll, go, I'll go through like some of the stuff when, when I talk to guys and we're trying, when we're recruiting guys, a lot of what I talk about is how the weather is horrible here. And I tell them, like, if you can't deal with the weather here, if you can't deal with the fact that you're going to go out in February and you're going to play in in 20-degree weather and 25-degree weather, and that's going to happen, and you're not going to see temperatures above freezing at practice until mid-March, then this isn't the place for you. Go somewhere else. But if that's something that you're cool with and you want to be part of a good team and that's something that you can cope with, then this is a good place for you. Not a lot of people sitting, and 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 it and it does make perfect sense that why would you play on the East Coast when you can go play in nice weather, in, unless there is a real team environment that you want to be part of. I certainly cannot blame guys for going to Ambac or going to Belmont or going to Golden Gate or going to places where where the weather is is more attractive to play it's like the guys who go down to the sec the reason they don't play in the big 10 is because in the big 10 they're going to gain a thousand yards in the sec they can gain 1600 it's just it's a it's a more pleasurable environment the you know the girls are prepared for warm weather clothing and and things like that and the east coast (laughs) they're you know they're fattened up for the winter and um, you know it's just but those types of those types of things. Look, it, it, it isn't for everyone. And obviously, teams, and especially in rugby, teams in nicer weather are generally going to be pretty good. And then, and then there's areas like, say, Utah and, and Denver that have had massive, massive success. And part of the reason is that they have, in those areas, they have a culture of fitness. They ride their bikes a lot. They go skiing. They do th- Whereas in New York in the winter, you go drinking and you play pool or maybe darts and watch hockey. It's a you culture know, of sausage. Yeah. Yeah. It's a culture of hot dogs and, 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 and it's, and, and it's a different, it's, it's a different, and I, look, I'm, I'm, I'm probably not acting like the greatest salesman. I think that <laughs> in, in coming to New York, like what we give you is a good team environment and, and, and that's something that we pride ourselves on and something that say Xavier prides itself on and, and Greenwich prides itself on and Gonzaga prides itself on. And, you know, there have been champions from the East Coast. Life is life has won a championship and, and, and the AC's won three and PAC's won a championship. It, it, there's not a ton of them. But the fact is we, we weren't better than we weren't better than those West Coast teams when when we didn't win. Yep. They were better than us, and that's and that's okay. We're okay with that. 
And 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 hey, you know, you can look and say Highlands won a lot of championships. Hey, look, Highlands won a lot of championships with guys a year older than everybody else from New Zealand. And you know, you can call a spade a spade, but that's what happened. Yep. And you can sit and act like, you know, they weren't. And they also were a team with five high schools that were represented playing against teams with single schools. And Sa- so, Sacramento like, Jesuit probably flew in all their guys from what, like Ireland, right? Yeah, they flew in all their guys from like down the block in in Sacramento. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, so so um, you know, what, what is it? The East East Coast girls are hip. We really dig the styles they wear, so they they're all about the clothes. Um, let, let's look at let's look for look ahead to the matchup then, because there is there is a a bit of an East versus West here. Uh, BYU goes to Life University in the semifinals. Arkansas State goes to St. Mary's. Now, Arkansas State and St. Mary's played in the in the quarterfinals of D1A last year, and they played in the quarterfinals of the regular D1 the year before, both times in Jonesboro, both or, or both times away for St. Mary's, and both times a close win for Arkansas State. I know St. Mary's really wants this game. Uh, it will be played in Moraga, but Arkansas State has already shown that they can go into the Lions' den and perform well. And then BYU, we talked about this last show, BYU at life. Uh, you know, uh, I know that, that the BYU coaching staff is, isn't thinking this is going to be uh, oh, just a little road trip down to Georgia and they'll be walking away with a win. Uh, it's going to be very, very difficult. W- what happens in these games? I, I've got my own thoughts about it. But what do you guys think is going to happen considering that um, – St. Mary's has lost Arkansas State twice, and considering that BYU has to travel to Marietta, Georgia, to play. Um, well, we all picked out our brackets, and uh, I, I did lose the Utah game. I had them getting the upset in uh, Moraga. Um, they didn't, but I still, you know, that's a really tough road trip. But I still think Arkansas State is probably. Um, a slightly better team than St. Mary's. Um, I think the story will be told a lot of how they can deal with the pack of, uh, of St. Mary's. I think that Arkansas State's lose fours are as good as absolutely anybody in the country, but their tight five um, is not as good as St. Mary's. Um, so can they win enough ball to get it to their backs? And if they can, um, I think Arkansas State will win. Um, they have a very fierce pack, but I, I think Just- that, you know, St. Mary's is just a quick note on that one, uh, Jordan Bowie, uh, prop for St. Mary's, not their only prop, obviously, uh, red carded in the game against Utah, and uh, therefore we can assume that he won't be available for the next game. Uh, but, you know, all they did, all they did was they moved, uh, you know, Nick Wallace, who'd been playing lock half the season, he'd been up, moved up to prop. They took Matt Crawford, who was playing hooker, moved him over back over to prop where he had been playing and put Andrew Cook, who's possibly the best hooker in the country at the moment back at hooker out of flanker. So, so I don't know if they lose anything really, um, except perhaps a, um, they've got cook is so savvy that they put him at flanker and he's got a great work rate. So I don't know if they lose anything there, but they do, they are without their starting prop from last week. Um, right. I don't know if that affects anything or not. Um, well, it'll certainly come into play, but they still, I think would, would definitely have a better front row than Arkansas state. So I think that's, that's a big impact. You look at the other game. I think that's the same thing. Can life's smaller pack, younger pack, hold up to the challenge of facing BYU, the most vaunted pack and especially front row in the entire country. And if they can win enough ball, and get it to their backs, they certainly have a chance, but can hopefully the weather for, for the running Eagles, they got to hope it's 95 down there and they might and be able to 98% humidity. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. BYU is a big team that, that could really come into play. I don't, I don't want to pick that game. Um, but I mean, I would pick BYU, but the weather could definitely be a huge factor down there. That uh, uh, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. I think that the red card could be a factor, but the fact of the matter is, St. Mary's essentially beat Utah relatively convincingly, given that it was close to a double double digit store, score line where they were without a man for what 55, 60 minutes. Uh, f- f- thirty-five minutes, but they finished the game down two men. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I mean, that's a uh, that shows that they can play, and and I so I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna actually go with St. Mary's. I, I think it's gonna be a difficult trip for Arkansas State, meaning physically, it's gonna be a difficult trip for them to actually get to where they're going. And um, 
but it, you know, it'll, it'll be an interesting game. I, I, I'm going to go with St. Mary's at home. And I think that, that they're going to want that game and, 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 and they're going to have a, a, a pretty complete performance. I think that they'll, I think they'll do well and, 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 and play that game out. Um, as far as the life BYU game, I, I got to say that it, I know what the weather's going to be like because I'm going down and playing. I'm actually playing the game right after them against against life in the Super League. So they're going to play at 1230. We're going to play at 230. Um, so it's going to be about 80 to 82 degrees and about 60% humidity. My gut feeling is that life is going to win the game. I think that life may be able to beat them for speed. I think that uh, uh, I definitely think Blue Ben Davies are very good, but we do forget that life does have Cali, Carriaga, and then they have Woodson. So life has speed and speed to burn. And I think that the BYU pack may melt in the heat and the humidity that they're not used to. And I also think that life has a bit of height and they can and they can do some things in the line out. And having seen last year's national final, I was not impressed with BYU's line out. Now, that doesn't mean that it hasn't changed dramatically this year. And although BYU does have a vaunted front row, they have not dominated teams up front uh, the way that maybe they they should have or could have. I think that part of the key is going to be, can Ryan Roundy dominate? Can, can, can the 8-9-10 combination of... BYU, coupled with the power that they have in the midfield, can can that essentially kind of middle back five get themselves to dominate that game? Because if they don't, then I think that life is going to win probably more comfortably than people would expect. If they do, life is going to struggle. But I, now the other the other thing is. Can life beat BYU with their kicking game? Can they starve them with possession? And can they get their can they get their speed on the wing to possibly pop a few home? It's a very, very interesting game. It's a very interesting game. Hey, I, I I'm a big I, fan of going for home teams. I you know, I I it's very difficult to travel. It's very difficult to organize. And BYU is nobody expects anything out of life. BYU is expected to win. I think both of those teams decided to make a statement in the semifinal. But as you said, BYU was shown they gave up four tries in a semifinal to a team that's inferior. That really, you know, it was one of the, like the Sesame Street thing. One of these kids is doing his own thing. One of these kids does not belong. And that was UCLA. And they scored four tries against. Good night. You. And, and the fact of the matter is. If if they have that porous of a defense against life, life may score four or five or six tries, and BYU may not get those tries. Where they're used to just scoring tries all the time, they may not get them that easily. Come on. When you score 130-some-odd points in a game, picking out four tries, that's uh, that's borderline well, insanity. I, I, look, I'm not, I'm not picking out being borderline insanity. The fact is, you, it's not about how many points you score. It's it it it's a mentality of not giving points up. It's You're just right. mentality, and and that could mean that it could have been all bench guys who gave it up. There's only seven of them, and those seven got picked for whatever reason. And if they gave it up, then maybe those seven bench guys don't have the mentality that belongs in a semifinal or a final, and they can't trust them. And in 85-degree heat, you really can't trust them, but you may need them. Maybe this is why it would separate you from me and I, the fact that I'm not a uh, multi-Super League title-winning coach. But uh, I think I'd be okay with my guys being, you know, letting up a little bit defensively if we're up, i say, 100. Oh, it's, 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 not, a, it's nope. not a matter of that. No, no, no. My point is, my point really, um, Pat, it, and, and you know, I, it, take it like this, is that – BYU scores a lot of points, but they also give up a lot of points. They give up not a lot of points, but they give up a lot of tries. They give up more tries than given the disparity of ta- disparity of team, the, the talent in the teams. So in the in the event that that happens, 
Life scores a lot of points but doesn't give up a lot of points. So that means that against BYU, life will probably get their points. So they will score. But BYU is going to have to earn points a lot more in a lot more difficult fashion than maybe they're used to. So that game is going to tighten up in that area. The fact of the matter is, can Davies make his kicks? Is Davies going to be able to kick at life? And I was talking to Payne about this the other day. It's the most difficult field to kick at. Because on one side, you're kicking into the woods. So you don't really have like a stadium gauge, like a, a symmetrical thing to gauge things off of. And on the other side, there's a giant hill and the stadium, the stadium for the upper field is kind of in, it, it isn't symmetrical to the field. So it's, you, you're looking up like a, a hill with a road going up. It's not an easy place to get bearings to kick in. So is Davies going to be able to kick, whereas Cowley kicks there all the time? So it's, it's, you know, little, I, it's just I, little nonsense things like that. It's, that's all I'm saying. Hey, is BYU yeah. a better team? Yeah, they're a better team. They've been to the final 8 million times. They've won a championship. They, they're they loaded 8, 9, and 10. I mean, that's where you want to be loaded. They have a great front row, which means you have a hooker. So you got a 2, 8, 9, 10, a 12, and 13 that'll, that'll lights out. And I don't know how their back three is, but I'm, I'm, let's assume their lights out. They scored 130 points. So... I'm not, I'm not we're, we're, let, let me let me jump in here because I first of all uh, I I back up Bruce on this one I, I I think exactly if I'm if I'm the BYU coaches I look at the fact that they gave up three tries in about 12 minutes uh, in the second half when they should have just shut the game down I wouldn't be happy with that and and UCLA is a good team but they're not a great team and they're not a great team one through 15 and and they should have been shut down and life shut Penn State a very good Penn State down uh Three points, and that was it. Nothing else. They scored, Not a scored, they scored sixty less points than them too. No, no, <laughs> no. They, they no, no. They scored twenty-eight less points, but it, it was one hundred three. It wasn't one hundred thirty. It was one hundred three. Ah, um, right. it, it was uh, it was one hundred thirty, almost one hundred thirty total. So it, it, uh, that's that's just how it how how we see how coaches will look at it. Did you shut them down? Now the the other thing you you brought up, Bruce, is the deep three because that the the matchup is great. The set the midfield matchup is is something you really want to see because it's really really good. The the matchup between the back rows, two very good back rows, that's going to be interesting. I think um, second row. We're not talking about second row. Uh, either of the teams, both of them, are, I think, are works in progress. Uh, front row. BYU supposed to, does have a great one. They're very large. They're very imposing. So life has got a, a lot of work going there the the thing the one of the wild cards for me is the deep three because i don't think the deep three for byu has really been asked to do an awful lot they they do some defense they finish off some tries they haven't really been tested in the way that life could test them because life actually has a very very good deep three they have excellent wings and joe cowley is terrific fullback um and and Cowley is a great kicker, as you said. So it probably will come down to kickers. But I think that if life does have an edge, well, it, it's possibly at eleven, fourteen, and fifteen. Uh, let's let's go to let's go to California, St. Mary's, uh, Arkansas State. We didn't really go into a lot of detail, but but the 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 differences between these two teams it seems to be first of all is that one through fifteen Arkansas State seems to me to be big and strong and powerful and they they work their way through the gain line uh, St Mary's is an open field running team and their their backs you look at them and they're just kind of scrawny looking uh, I will say that Max Heath is back in the lineup their regular fly half he was back last week this past weekend. Uh, that's a big boost for them. He's the, he's a regular goal kicker, but Augie Heath had done very well with his brother uh, in his absence. But it gives them a little bit more depth, a little bit more power. But scrummaging, St. Mary's, I'd, we're going to put the, the highlights of the St. Mary's Cal game up finally this coming week, and you will see what St. Mary's can do in the scrum because St. Mary's backpedaled the Cal scrum and St. Mary's have backpedaled just about everybody's scrum, and that's where they're going to win it if they win it. That's and yeah, I think that's definitely where their their advantage is. There's no doubt about that. But I think Arkansas State has a pretty good scrum too. They gave Life a lot of fits, and I know Life was without um, uh, Paul Bester, without Cam Dolan, 
but uh, I don't think Cam Dolan is winning scrums for them. And I don't think Paul Bester, who can play anywhere in the back row, but also sometimes as a lock, is necessarily winning the scrums for them. So I think Arkansas State, if they can rescue some ball, I don't think they're going to lose the game because of the scrums. But Arkansas State's got a lights-out back line, and they had a freshman play start his first game ever, score two tries on Saturday. Um, they've got a lot of depth on the wing. They've got a lot of depth. I mean, Dale Bates is a stud and would start for the vast majority of teams in the country. He doesn't even start for them. Um, and I think that that Arkansas State's back row is uh, phenomenal. I think Stane Bernard is probably, for my money, the best flanker in the country. Um, and he is an absolute workhorse, great at stealing ball, and a really good ball runner, too. So I, I, I just – the matchups in this one are a lot, a lot closer, except for you know, I think that, like you said, the scrum is, uh, is St. Mary's to lose. Well, I'm going to – I'm going to go with St. Mary's and I'm going to just say that uh, I think that it's going to be a combination of a lot of things. I think the St. Mary's scrum end line not as good, but I think that the Arkansas State scrum is pretty good as well. Based on what I saw last year, I haven't seen them physically play this year. Um, I will, but I, I, I think that the interchange between the backs and forwards on St. Mary's will be fantastic, as I do think it will be on Arkansas State to be fantastic as well. It's going to be a great game. I'm I'm saying St. Mary's because they're the home team. They've lost. Like there there are there are um there are advantages to being on the road where you're as a team, you're there together, you can arrive at the field together. There are certain advantages. Um, the Arkansas State team, the all college teams are young, and and not everybody handles that all that well. Whether or not somebody's late, they forgot their mouthpiece, they, whatever it is, can't find their cleats, he woke up late, he's taking a crap, whatever it is, and it just throws off everything you're trying to do, and you think it's just not like being at home. And I think that that is going to, at the end of the day, be a, be a problem for Arkansas State. Uh, you know, whether or not it's, I think it's worth a couple points to St. Mary's, and I think that that couple points could be the difference. It's going to be a good game. Sounds like they're going to be great games. And I, I think if I'm going to make a prediction, I'm going to make a prediction that I think I think it's possible both of these games are going to be within 10 either way. I think it's going to be really fun. And I really hope we can make sure that uh, everybody gets a chance to see these games in their entirety, if not live, then uh, in uh, – in on tape delay or web stream delay. We have two more topics to, to touch on. We're going to talk, touch on one first, and then we're going to take a break and finish up on the last one. And the first topic, just checking in on the Super League, uh, we, we know we've got four teams left. We're, we're, we're kind of running out the string in the, in the regular season. Life and Nyack are the top two in the East and in the West, Opugit Sound, Golden Gate. Now, the, the, the big news in the West... Um, Puget Sound had a chance to be tripped up because they had played Chicago Griffins in Seattle and had beaten them 27-15. It had been pretty close, and if you watch the game, you know, uh, Griffins gave them some problems. So they go to Chicago, and you think, hmm, well, this could be a game where if they're not really serious, if they're not for real completely, uh, they could lose this game. Uh, it turns out Puget Sound wins at 57-5. Uh, conversely, San Francisco Golden Gate goes to Denver. Denver... Uh, Scoring a lot of points, but giving up an awful lot of points too, really struggling to get wins. And Denver wins that game 41-38 on uh, just about the last play of the game. So so uh, a, a real undercut on Golden Gate's chances of being first. That really only means that they then play the semifinal up in Seattle. But um, perhaps also a wake-up call or a red flag on whether Golden Gate is really uh, a serious contender to make that final, or, or, or are we looking at really it's Puget Sounds um, and, and that's it. Um, the final is going to be played at the home of the West, so uh, if it looks like it's Puget Sound, then it looks like it's going to be Seattle um, somewhere in Seattle. We don't know where. Uh, in the East, and and... Bruce, defer to you, seeing as you're coaching one of these teams, New York Athletic Club, Life University. You've already beaten Life once. You're going to go down to Marietta uh, to try and beat them again. Uh, really, if you get a couple of bonus points, then then you've sewn up first. Not a problem. But what's going on with that game? Um, 
it well, it, it's actually going to be played right after the semifinal, uh, so that's going to be awesome to be down there and be able to check that out. And I, we're six points adrift of life, and and we have beaten them by a three try margin, seventeen point margin. So because we're six points adrift, they have to. The way the Super League playoffs work out is that you need to the, the games between the two teams in how many points you score in, meaning bonus points plus plus uh, plus winning points. So we scored five points in our first game. Life scored zero. So life can't beat us in in our head to head in the uh, in if if we were to tie the. If we were to tie, they would have to beat us by more than three tries, uh, or three tries and more than eighteen points. And and on top of that, we would still have to beat Dallas at home or our field at our field and not score a bonus point on the last game of the season. So uh, those are probably pretty unlikely. So we're probably would be the number one seed. Um, that all said. That that doesn't mean that, that this game, you know, that we're going to win this this upcoming game. Life has lost one game in eight years in the collegiate and 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 men's team at home, and that is the Super League final last year. And that's it. So when I say that life is a difficult place to play, I mean it. Um, and uh, so, and 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 a lot of it has to do with with the reasons that I stated on top of the fact of the heat. So I, I think that this is going to be, it'll be a real challenge for us. They, they have, they have Chris Headley and, and Tommy Katzfei in, in, in their team. And, and Brendan Thompson is, is fantastic. And Tui Osborne's fantastic. And, and Von Rensburg is a pretty powerful, powerful runner on the wing. And as McMaster, they've been moving into the, into the midfield. So they're they're a pretty good team, but then again, we have a pretty good team too. We have Mike Petri, we have Louis Stanfield, we have Connor Coyne, we have Brian Doyle, you know, we have James Denise, and you know, so adding those people. Tell me, tell me, tell me about yeah. tell me about Toby Lestrange. Toby Lestrange is a very good player. He probably would be a similar type of player to Chris Wiles, um, and he has a he has a, he has a, he does have maybe a little bit better boot than Chris, um, but he hasn't been playing at the level Chris has been playing at at the uh, with the Saracens, you know, week in and week out. But he's very quick. He's not. I wouldn't say that he has absolutely blazing speed, but he has. But he's quick over the first few yards. He's capable of making line breaks, and he has. And he has a. And he has good skills off his off his left and right hand. He's a very handy player. He's a very nifty player and he and he's he's capable of 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 playing and the way we kind of do it is we maybe have a first receiver in off a set piece and sometimes we, we kinda of switch that up. And then as the game flows, we have three scrum halves on the field. So you never really know who's gonna play scrum half. You never really know who's gonna play first receiver they never really know where anybody is going to be. It kind of just, we have patterns and we have principles and, and there's things that we do, but there's there's a lot of fluidity to it. and It allows us to play really fast, but on the flip side, it also kind of screws us up because there's, there's maybe maybe a little bit less structure to, to it, and, and sometimes it, there's a bit of confusion and, and and in those times we break down and sometimes make a few mistakes. So you know, it's one of those live by the sword, die by the sword type of things. Life, on the other hand, would be a little bit more of a structured team, probably with a, a bit more firepower than we have. I, I guess you would say a lot more firepower than we have. Their their number seven, Davila, is is lightning fast. They're you know obviously Tui Osborne. Has has had that kind of firepower for the last decade or so, and then you and you look at at Von Rensburg and and Asmik Master and Betty Maniolona and 
and then they're pulling Pete Bird off the bench. Brendan Thompson is a, is a, is a tremendous try scorer. They have a, they have a guy in the second rows, relatively new to rugby. Um, Sadiq, I forgot his, I forgot his, his, uh, his full name. He is probably six foot four, six foot, maybe six foot five, two forty, maybe two fifty. Cut out of granite. He's all of it. Um, maybe a little bit raw, but an extremely powerful player. And saw that guy on the uh, webcast last time you played him, and I was like, "Who in God's name is that?" Well, it's one of the funniest things in the world. One of the funniest things in the world after before that game, we my team walked out and life walked out, and and my wife came up to me right after the game and said. I honestly thought that you guys were going to get annihilated. She's like, they walked out and they were so big and so muscular and so fit and so confident looking. And your team walked out and you just looked small and skinny and slow. And, and I don't even know how you won the game. And she's like, it, it actually didn't even look like it did win. And it, it, it and it's just, she's like, that was what she said. And then my, uh, and it was funny, Mike. My kid says to me after the game, hey, Dad, although you're useless at the playing part of the game, you're still pretty good at the yelling part. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Is this uh, – we're looking at uh, Sadiq Ziad. Yeah, yeah. No, and it's so – I mean, he had started last week. So, I mean, whether or not they – whether or not they use him this week, they put Tommy Catsfy at eight instead of Cathal Doyle. I don't I don't know that they're necessarily going to do that against us. Um but that guy Sadiq Najah is 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 a, is, a, is a big tough runner, and and he and he had impact when he came in uh, to play against us. They moved Xander Daniels to loose head prop, and 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 that probably is a position that suits him a little bit better. So and 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 I think that that that's going to help them. It it I think this is going to be a fant- I think it's going to be a fantastic weekend of rugby down at life. That'll be it'll it'll be a lot of fun, but yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, um, so uh, Sadiq Ziad, uh, by the way, of course, with a name like that, we all know he's from Tennessee. Uh, we'll we'll just finish this up. Uh, go back to Old Beach at Sound Beach. Remember, they 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 won their game. Mike Palafau was with the sevens team. Uh, Andrew Duratalo was with the sevens team. They had the third fullback of the season, Jeremy Nash. He's a very good player. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you, I, I was no, going to say, I was going to mention that. I was going to mention that that Jeremy Nash is is if he's the third fullback, yeah. Jeremy Nash is essentially the first fullback on almost every team in the league. Right. He's right. a fantastic and then, and, player. And then they've got Miles Craigwell on one wing and Philly Batitu on another wing, who is, you know, when people say, who is that guy that you just tried to tackle and he just slipped right through your hands? They've got Emosi Fukago, seven Actually, star. he doesn't slip through anybody's hands. He never slips through people's hands. Okay. He just absolutely burns them. They they don't get there's no there's no hands touching that guy. No, okay, excuse me. Okay, God, God you 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 can't encircle him. And Fukago at scrum, uh, and 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 the uh, really I think an, another team where the the their backs are so good you might overlook their forwards. Oliver Khalifi had a great game. Josh Osborne is their their captain. Their front row is pretty good. Albert Jenkins and Aaron Fry guys do tough work and and they got a good back row. I like that team. I like them team very much. And I think that. Uh, it'll, it'll, you know, I, I think we're going to see Nyack against uh, Puget Sound in Seattle, and I think we're going to see a great matchup because it'll be uh, your 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 classic Nyack team, your your hard nosed team that's 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 playing really well together, tactically aware against a team that could just blow everything to smithereens, but exactly the type of team that Nyack loves to squeeze into a little box, sit on top of that box and not let them out. Well, I think that, I think that where, where, where Puget Sound is, is dangerous now is, is especially, they do have a little bit more cohesion in the pack. They, they can operate in the line out. They can operate in the scrum, whereas in past years they haven't been able to, but really where, where it becomes an issue, a bigger issue for defenses is that they have a scrum half who has, the ability to threaten in a massive way. So 
that means that in second phase or in, in, in loose play, your fringe defense has to compress to respect him. But if the fringe defense compresses to respect him, they just swing the ball out to the wingers and they can score at will. You, you can't get beat up the guts. You can't let the guy free in the middle. You can't let the guy closest uh, to the ball sir. free. See, you almost have to make them make three or four passes to beat you, but they're good enough to do it, and therein lies the problem. And that's why they're the favorites, and 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 rightfully so. Um, so, yeah, and, and if if we are fortunate enough to play them, that is going to be a very difficult task for us because in the past we were able to handle them and, and, and knock them around because they, they weren't really able to scrum in line very well. And, and they, so we were able to capitalize on some of those things, start from a possession and do a few things, but they had way less firepower in 2010. And when we played them in the quarterfinal, they scored 12 points in five minutes. It was like, I was looked at Pulse. I was like, I can't even believe this is happening. And it was, it, and and then we scored thirty nine unanswered points, but then the, but the rest of the game it just seemed like every single time they touched the ball they could score on us, yep. every single time and 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 every single time we scored it was like eight phases five yards at a time and you know it was just one of those things, yep. and if that's how they're going to make I, you play it's difficult it's difficult to beat a team like that. And the difference is this year. They are scoring every time, almost every time they touch the ball, they are scoring. We are going to be right back, and we're going to talk, uh, go back to the international, the 15 scene, just for, for one topic, and we will be right back on Rugged Matrix America. Hi, this is Chris St. here from the Penn State University men's rugby team. Um, come out and support the Nittany Lions at the U.S. 7's Collegiate Rugby Championship in PPL Park on June 2nd and 3rd. If you want to get tickets, go to usa7crc.com or help support the Nittany Lions at rugby.psu.edu and buy your tickets through there. Hope to see you there, and go Nittany Lions. Hey fans, go to rugbyimports.com for all your rugby outfitting needs. Whether you're kitting out your team with our American-made jerseys, stocking up on training supplies, or just getting a new pair of boots, Rugby Imports has all you need for on the field and off. Go to rugbyimports.com. And we are back with Rugby Matrix America. And the final topic today, uh, this uh, appeared on Nigel Melville's blog. And we, uh, I had actually talked to him about it a little bit back when it was all speculation. But it seems like things are moving ahead with a new Pacific Rim international competition. One that would involve uh, the United States, Canada, Japan, Tonga, Samoa, and Fiji, something that would start up in June of 2013, national teams. Now, for those of you with long memories, will remember that, that we had the Pacific Rim back in 1996 uh, to 98. It was called the Pacific Rim Championship, and that was the USA, Canada, Japan, and Hong Kong. And they played each other twice. It was, a, it was really good, just a, a six-team uh, a, a six-game each team uh, tournament. Uh, there was no championship game. There was no semifinal final or anything like that. It was just a league, and that was it. And and operated really well. They provided their own referees. Referees came from those countries, um, and 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 was really a well a well-received uh, tournament. The IRB came in in 1999 and changed it. Kicked out Hong Kong, saying Hong Kong couldn't be in it because Hong Kong's residency rule was if you lived there for six months, you could play for the national team. And they said, that's not good. So we're not going to allow you in. And then they brought in Fiji, Samoa, and Tonga. So from 1999 and 2000, that's the way that went. Each team playing each other. So they, each team got five games and that worked out fine. But by 2001, Epson, who had, uh, it was called the Epson Cup, uh, Epson, the printer company, pulled money from it, didn't want to really spend as much money as, as possible on it. So it ended up being a really pared down competition in 2001. Uh, USA played Canada for the right to go to Japan to have uh, a semifinal final format, which was really crappy. And of course, it, it all fell apart. Um, the, the, the Polynesian teams didn't want to travel. They didn't like traveling. Um, Tonga came to the USA and lost. Fiji came to the USA and lost. Uh, Samoa came to the USA and won, but they won 1912. They really struggled 
coming to North America, and I, I don't think they liked it. I think that was part of it. So that all disappeared, and it was a really big, sad thing because we really struggled to fill that void uh, for the last 10 years. So this comes back, and the idea is this. Everybody plays everybody in June. So you've got six teams playing each other, so everybody gets five games, plus then possibly a semifinal final. Uh, Melville mentioned 33 matches, so that would be everybody playing everybody plus a semifinal and final format, all in the June test window, which uh, is basically the month of June, possibly into the first weekend of July, probably not. I looked at the schedule on that. We're talking about a test match every four days, and that's my concern about this. I love the idea. I, I want I want USA to play Samoa every year. I think that'd be great. But we're looking at a test match every four days. Now, you can do it when you go Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. But after that, everyone says, we're exhausted. We've just played three matches in eight days where you know it's too much. But what if you're playing five games? Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday. That's really, really tough. International games. And to ask players, some of whom are amateur, to do that, I don't know, too much, possibly. Yeah, I, I mean, that seems like an awful lot. My first reaction to the thing is I'm really glad it's a possibility of coming back. Um, I think that this would be a great chance for us, you know, the Eagles to play towards something that's both wing, winnable and meaningful, um, which they haven't really had a chance to do for a long time. Um, so I think it's absolutely huge. But yeah, that, that seems like a big ask. seems like a lot of games to get played. And generally speaking, the more games you play, the more money it costs because of all the travel. And if that's been the downfall of a lot of these championships is their, uh, the fact that they're costly, um, you know, that scares me because I want this thing to survive. So that means it's going to have to be commercially viable and they're going to have to find somebody who wants to put money into it. And hopefully they can. Um, and obviously more games makes it, I think, more uh, valuable to potential sponsors too. Um, so maybe that's the other end of it. But yeah, it seems like a lot of games in a short amount of time. But if they can pull it off, I'm all for it. I think it. I think it could be great. I, you know, again, same as Pat, same as everybody's saying, it's a lot of games in a short amount of time. But it gives you the opportunity to bring people in and and see how they can compete against different teams. And these are these are quality teams. They're they're teams that we can lose to and teams that we can beat. So it's appropriate competition, and you know, it, well, that is very ambitious in terms of how they want to do it. I don't, I don't know that you necessarily need the semi and the final. Uh, maybe you just need a final. But even so, it's pretty. Uh, it, it's not a bad, not a bad competition. It's it's not a bad co competition. I I personally think that the semifinal and final is what's ruined pretty much every international thing that we've had. Uh, th there's no need for that. If you had a league, then you could just say these are the games and this is when we'll play them, and, and that's fine. You don't have a semifinal on a Friday and a and a final on a Sunday and, and stuff like that. I don't like it. But but I think I, I think that the I think that having a final is okay, only because of the probably the way they'll structure it is the bonus point aspect of it. And, and I think that that's, that's a big factor is, is that the, the bonus point aspect, you know, I mean, especially if they play overseas somewhere, there's a possibility of, of where you can play in the rain and, and not get a bonus point and somebody can play in really nice weather and get a bonus point. And then they're the champion. Uh, you know. yeah. Okay. Okay. No, that, that's that's reasonable. Then you've got your first and second, and and, and that's fine. The, the a couple of things about this. First of all, is everybody going to travel to everybody else? Because that that's kind of what was great. One of the things that was great about the old pack rim, but you can't do that if you're playing every four days, which means you're going to have to condense it. Or maybe I don't know. You know, Japan and the USA go fly to Tonga. And they play. They each play Tonga, and they each play each other in in kind of a a short round robin. Then they go somewhere else. That's a possibility. The other thing is, you got to have TV. You got to have TV in some form. And uh, ideally for the USA, uh, NBC Sports, NBC Sports Network gets involved there. Um, they get some content there, uh, but at least on web stream and money uh, sponsorship. 
the money sponsorship I see coming from this, it comes from Japan. That's that's where you're seeing a, a stronger corporate support. You're not going to get it from Samoa and Tonga and Fiji, really. You might get something from Canada, possibly. You might get something from the United States, a little bit. But the big money that you're going to see is from Japan, which means your finals weekend, everything like that has got to be in Japan to make that happen. Um, or, or what do we do? Do we pick a country and we have everybody come in for uh, for a month? I think that's um, – I'm not sure that's viable. Um but it would be it would be tough. It would have to be making money for somebody, and it would have to not be a drain on everybody. And I um, maybe the IRB turns around and says, "Oh, okay, so so we would be giving say five hundred thousand dollars to each of you for some kind of high level competition, but we could give you two point five million. We could give you three million to get this thing and help fund it. Fine, but it still has to be commercially viable. Love the idea." Worry about the execution as we always do. Well, I don't know about our execution because we, we, we were coming off uh, a couple of uh, technical glitches, but we managed to get through it. Um, guys, I think I think we've picked our, our winners. We'll be talking a little bit about uh, the, the men's D1 AA and D2 and the D1A final next week. And hopefully we'll have know a little bit more about what's going on with the Super League. But uh, for now, we're just happy that we've had some really compelling games in D1A. And we've got some really compelling games coming up. And it seems to me, for this weekend, if you're in the vicinity of Marietta, Georgia, you've got two terrific games to go see at Life University. And I would get down there and go see them. I agree. Yep. Absolutely. I, the, if you could uh, buy a late plane ticket or bus ticket or car, I'd get there because it's going to be a phenomenal weekend. If you can't camp out in front of your computer, because liferunningeagles.com, I think is the uh, the URL. They're going to be web streaming it. So camp out in front of the TV. Or your and you're, you're going to be uh, you're going to be on the web stream, aren't you, Pat? It's not impossible at this point. It's not. Okay, so it's yet. possible. We may be hearing uh, Pat Clifton doing some uh, color analysis or play-by-play on the web stream, which would be great. So for Pat Clifton and Bruce McLean, who will both be possibly this coming weekend down in Georgia, I'm Alex Goff, who will not be in Georgia from RugbyMag.com. Reminding you, first of all, go to the iTunes store to check out the uh, Rugamatrix show. Go to Rugamatrix.com for the Rugamatrix International show. Uh, Always go to RugbyMag.com for the latest news. Um, columns, scores, everything that you need. And we really, really appreciate you listening to all of us here on Rugga Matrix America.